Although we both identify as Roman Catholic, our aim is not to convert or convince. We have no official affiliation with any religious body and present here only our own interpretations and opinions of these stories. We understand and expect that some listeners may not have spiritual belief in certain aspects of these events, but we hope you find value in them as historical narratives which are inextricably tied to the times, places, cultures, and spiritual beliefs of the people who lived and retold them. Due to age and variable documentation practices, we cannot guarantee the historical accuracy of these stories. And welcome to A Martyr and a Monk. That's Victoria. And that's Christina. Today we are going to talk about the venerable Maria of Jesus of Agreda. Okay. Okay. So, first things first. Uh, she is from Spain. So, in English, people call her Mary, but her name is like in Spanish, it's Maria. And since Maria is also an English name, I don't know why they translate it to Mary. Uh, but I am going to call her Mary because, like, that's what yeah. all the English sources say. Okay. But it is probably Maria is more of what her name should be. Also, okay, I already have a question slash a problem slash a comment. Okay. Isn't all aren't all of the saints of Jesus technically? Uh, I suppose, but this is like her. It's because it's like her devotion. Is, yeah, um, a special. All thing. right. Anyway. <laughs> okay uh she is also sometimes known as the abbess of agreda and the lady in blue and the blue nun all right so so we're getting really uh, graying the lines between mary and the actual mary yeah okay. it's very confusing i had to uh i had to start uh writing uh v in front of mary when i referred to virgin mary because i was getting really confused and if that like, doesn't help either articles because and like stuff the- they don't always that's like venerable mary though too venerable yeah. yeah i know i know and in the wikipedia articles and stuff they'll just say mary but they'll be talking like they would have just been talking about the virgin mary and then they'll start another new sentence with like mary did this and i'm like who, who which 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 mary <laughs> especially because there's a thing later that they say that the virgin mary did which i've never heard before and i was like what <laughs> it's just very confusing okay so uh, Venerable Mary, our Mary, the one we're talking yes. about. Uh, she was born on April 2nd, so just a couple, a couple days, days ago. ago. Uh, April 2nd, 1602. All right. Oh, so that must mean this we're in like a fun, a fun anniversary year. Hang on. Yeah. She is 420. Oh, wow. 420, blizzard. it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so April 2nd, 1602. She was born in a town called Agreda. Okay logical since that's part of her yep. name which is in spain um so in spain madrid is like kind of like pretty close to the middle of spain yes uh and then agreda this little town that she's from is sort of halfway between madrid which is in the middle and the uh, pyrenees mountains which is the border with france Kay. yes so kind of like northeast of madrid Kay. so she's like 
up that way. Okay. Uh, her birth name was Maria Coronel y de Arana. Okay. She's from a like sort of mid-range noble family, like a lot of the saints we talked yeah. about. It's very popular, very popular for saints. Yep. Uh, her dad is a guy called Francisco Coronel. Um, Classic name. We don't know like a ton about like what his job was or anything, uh, but there is some like weird stuff that I learned about because I don't know that much about Spain in this period. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1600. Uh, but her dad is what is called a converso, like a Spanish word, converso, uh-huh. uh, which means a convert, yeah. which is pretty logical. Right. Um, but it's specifically a convert from Judaism to Catholicism, not from like, oh. anything to Catholicism. Okay. It's from Judaism to Catholicism. Um, and it's also applied not just to like the person who actually converted, but their descendants too. So hmm. this guy is a converso, but I don't think he himself converted from Judaism. I think like his grandparents or something did, uh, but they still call him a converso. It's an interesting um, uh, like distinction. I'm trying yes. to think of why. Uh, and they have a separate. I well, I kind of okay. know why. Uh, there's a separate word for Muslims who convert okay. to Catholicism, right. um, and it's because uh, so you know how the Moors were in Spain. Yeah. Like the Arab, yeah. you know, Arab traders in Spain, were, and they ruled for like a while. Yeah. Um, and the Spanish, European Spaniards retook the Iberian Peninsula okay. in the end of the 1400s. Okay. So a little over 100 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and so there are tons of Muslims around yeah. because the Moors were there for right. ages. And there's Catholics around because they're in Spain yeah. and there's Catholics <laughs> around. And there's a bunch of Jews around yeah. because they immigrate from all over the right. place. Uh, and so there's just like a a lot of religious and social right. change happening. Okay. Just like a lot of different kinds of people floating around, which is why they end up with these like very niche words for okay. that makes sense. Like different categories of people. It's kind of like how in the Americas you get like like mulatto and yeah. things for like how you're racially yeah. like specific terms for different kinds of racial blending. Right. Uh it's like that kind of vibe. It's just like there's enough of these people around. So that we need do you think it was words. like something like one of those things where like like mulatto, where they're trying to mark you as, yeah, you might look white, but you're not actually. So it's like, think, you might yeah, look Christian, kind of like that. but your ancestry like, is not. They are Christian, but like, yeah. keep an eye right. on them. Because yeah. like, they might do something mm-hmm. a little sketch. Yeah. Because they're, they're converts right. and they're not. Yeah. They're not. Their, true, their family yeah. is, is not, little, I think it is like, like that. true Spanish yeah. or whatever, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So that's what her dad okay. is. Um, and then her mother is this lady called Catalina de Arana. Okay. Uh, and we will talk about her in a bit, but not, not quite yet. Uh, Maria, our Maria, is one of 11 kids, mm-hmm. uh, but only four of them survive into adulthood. She's not, even for the time, it's not a great ratio, yeah. um, but so there's two boys and two girls eventually, uh, you know, grow right. up. So her parents supposedly are pretty devout, and you will see later that there is a good reason to think that that is true. Okay. Um, but they, I guess, have like, they have ties with the local Franciscan friars. Mm. Like, there's various little monasteries around. Yeah. Because they live in kind of, like, a rural, hilly right. area. And it's, like, a good place to stick and some random Spain. monasteries. Yeah, and it's Spain. So. <laughs> uh, so, her parents, like, are friends with the friars and, like, hang out and chat with them. And they take their kids to the monasteries for, like, mass and blessings and, you know, to do stuff. And sometimes the, fr- the Myers, friars, Franciscan friars, the friars come to their house to, like, do blessings and stuff. So, they're, like... They're, like, tight with the local religious community. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a personal family friend with the, like, local bishop, um, who's a guy called uh, Jose Jimenez, okay. maybe. 
Um, and he says that in like his later writings, uh, biographies and stuff, he says that even as a child, he thought that Mary was filled with divine knowledge. Again, um, we come across this a lot. Again. We're like, as a child, yes. they were so holy. And I'm like, I mean, yeah. maybe. Did you, yeah. Did you notice that when they were a child or did you like decide that later? Look back no. on it and invent it. Yeah. Like overreact to little right. things. Um, I guess she supposedly routinely had religious ecstasies and visions. Um, we've talked about ecstasies before. It's like kind of a, like a trance mm-hmm. epileptic kind of state yeah. where you have like religious visions. Um, and I guess her visions were mainly about how sinful the world was and just like how terrible a job everyone was doing, I mean, which is fun for a child. Yeah. Not wrong, uh, but not the best thing to see as a no. kid. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, and then there's like a couple of conflicting things. Um, one story says that she had her first communion when she was six, which like, I think it's like seven, eight now in the United States. So that's it's not like that kind weird. Of normal. Yeah. yeah. So it's not that weird. Um, the way they present it suggests that it was maybe weird. a little weird then. Yeah. But another story says that she was confirmed, which is the next step up at four. That's false. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't know about that. You can't uh, do one before the other. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Doesn't work uh, like that. Yeah. So there's... Either way, people seem to think that she was doing things, like, on the early early side, which at least lends some idea to, like, maybe she was, like, real Maybe she was, like, four when she was baptized, or, uh, first first communion, and then six when she was confirmed. But that's crazy, dude. Although- I know. I I read that, and I was like, isn't the whole point of being confirmed that you have to, like, choose it for yourself? Well, I wonder, like, when did that- come up like what's the history of being confirmed because like that seems like more of a modern thing you know yeah so i wonder if it doesn't, yeah you would never hear of like a middle ages surf being confirmed. getting confirmed so yeah i wonder if well one was she even confirmed was that even a thing then maybe not yeah uh we should look into that but yeah i wonder i know that in some places now they do it at the same time as your first communion and it's like one like it's all happens at once. Yeah, I've heard about uh, that. So maybe in like maybe in the old times they did yeah. do have confirm- confirmations. It just also happened when you were a kid because it's whatever so your it parents really choose. It's not like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then later we on, maybe it. they split it up, and which yeah. is why we have two. I don't things. know. We should look into that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so she is maybe confirmed slash communion when she's kind of young. Okay. Maybe she's having like semi regular religious ecstasies and visions. Okay on times uh, when she's 12 she decides that she wants to enter a convent and like lead a religious life okay. and she picks the uh discalced carmelites uh which uh they have mm-hmm. a, an order like 10 miles away from their okay. hometown reasonable uh maybe a <laughs> so little young but she, i'm not that surprised because like at 1600 yeah so, like, she's like approaching Mary. yeah age, she's like so like i'm good thanks <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> In the next four uh, so, years, she would probably be married to somebody, so. Yes. So she eventually doesn't join the Discalced Carmelites oh. because some stuff happens, which I will tell you in a okay. minute, but I'm going to tell you about them first okay. because I learned some fun stuff before I realized that this, these people don't matter. <laughs> and this research matters, gosh darn it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I think we've talked about the Carmelites yeah. before, and it's just um, a specific order. Yeah based on um, a group of people who were living in Mount Carmel in the Holy Land. Yep. 
they started in the 13th century um, from some European dudes were the ones who actually started the order. And then it you know, just spreads. And it's like a reasonably common major. Yeah, it's probably one of the nowadays. ones people have heard about. It's like the Franciscans yeah. and the Carmelites. Jesuits. Yeah. Those are the big, uh, so, big ones, you know. <laughs> discal- discalced. Uh-huh. I actually don't know if it's discalced or discalced. I think it's probably discalced. Maybe. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, it's a Latin word, and it means without shoes. Oh. Uh, which right. I guess was a trend started by Francis and Claire yeah. of, like, very Extreme poverty, poverty. Like, not even gonna wear yeah. shoes kind of yeah. thing. And so discalced orders traditionally didn't wear shoes, um, but apparently nowadays they frequently wear sandals. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, you're like, eh. Yeah, and also like you can't go into a gas station without right. shoes on. So like, <laughs> no shoes, no service. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so there, there are the discalced Carmelites, their whole vibe is like quiet contemplation and pra- prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not like super hard on the like poverty and, you know, suffering and that yeah. kind of thing it's more just like we're gonna sit quietly right. and think yeah right more classic like nuns life. Yeah. yes um and then the so that's like the all the carmelites kind of and then the discalced carmelites specifically uh actually start in spain okay only about 50 ish years before mary is oh, born so they're like new. Yeah. very new okay yes um so Mary is like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to join these discalced Carmelites who have that monastery over there. And her parents, I guess, are like, yeah, sure. I guess technically it's an abbey. (laughs) Yes. Not a monastery. Uh, Yeah, maybe. Well, I think there are, there's a male. Oh, a male. So it might be a joint one. They have like, they have both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So her parents are like, yeah, whatever. Uh, (laughs) Sure, that's fine. And while they're like, you know, preparing to drop her off over Uh there and, you know, packing up her stuff and doing whatever you have to do to drop a 12 year old at a monastery, uh, her mom has a vision. Oh, her mom. Um, Yes, her mom has a vision. And in the vision, the mom is told that she should turn the family home into a monastery um, and that she and the two surviving daughters, because remember, she only has two left. Wait, what happened to the other one? Two surviving. Because there were 11 and then they all died. Except oh, for I don't know, I don't know do- if you two sons and two daughters. Told me that. I definitely did. Okay, sorry, I missed that. <laughs> Completely. So they had eleven kids, only four survived to adulthood. And two are daughters. Okay. Two girls. Uh, all right. So there's two daughters. Yeah. So in this vision, the mom is told that she and her two surviving daughters are gonna be nuns. Okay. In this new monastery that they're gonna start in their family. Okay. Home. The dad is just uh, left so- on the street. <laughs> <laughs> well dad yeah, dad's not happy about yeah. that. Uh Francisco is the well, dad, yeah. and Francisco is like no. Yeah, <laughs> and he and some of their like you know angry neighbor men, yeah. mostly, uh, and you know like right. important people in their town are like, no, you can't do this because uh, you you're like you have a living spouse, you have a living husband, right. and it's a violation of your marriage vows to like not be married. Yeah, basically, right. Yeah, and so people are like, no, and so they, uh, the mom and the dad, Francisco and Catalina, just like argue and right. fight about this for like several years. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, Mary just doesn't go. Yeah, she just okay. doesn't go. She just stays at home. Okay. Um, and then a couple of years later, I think three-ish years later, uh, in 1618, when Mary 15, is 16, 16 years old. Yeah. 16. Yeah, so it started when she was 12 and she's yeah. 16 now. Uh, Francisco, her dad, uh, decides that he wants to be a brother, or like a friar, and he joins a local monastery as a lay brother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, sure, but I will say, like, the lay 
ones like that is not breaking the marriage shit that everybody else was claiming technically well no but she wouldn't have been either because they wouldn't let her be a That's real one if she's she married right she yeah. would have been a lay sister too but apparently when the dad decides huh. it's fine yeah it's lame it's fine right. uh but i guess so like this is kind of proof that they have a pretty religious family to right. begin with because the dad goes into the servant yeah. uh, into the monastery yeah. as well as some of the dad's brothers oh wow also do it like shortly after he does wow. and then the mom's brothers had already like are already priests at this wow point. yeah so there's like clearly a very religious family which is part of probably why they have such close ties with like the local franciscans yeah. and stuff uh so yeah so dad 1618 francisco goes and joins a monastery okay. uh once dad is gone <laughs> catalina is like right well we're doing my this vision now. said that we're supposed to convert yeah. <laughs> to a monastery so they do okay it. um and they so they convert the family home, which is like a reasonably nice big house because they're yeah, like noble rich right. people, uh, into the monastery of the Immaculate Conception, okay. which is still active today. Wow. Yep. Is it still in that uh, old house? It is. It, it's still in the old house, and I think the house itself has been like sort of destroyed and reconstructed. Yeah, a couple yeah. Of times. Okay. So I don't know how much of it is right, the original, but okay. Uh, but it is in the same okay. place still. That's cool. Uh, so they choose that this monastery is going to be part of the Order of the Immaculate Conception, uh, because I guess in Spain at like this sort of Renaissance period, the Virgin Mary is just like real popular mm-hmm. and everything is about the Virgin Mary. So they're like Immaculate Conception. Good place okay. to be. Uh, so that's what they go yeah. with. Uh, they decide to do a uh, discalced branch of this order. Right. Um, and discalced, although it technically means without shoes, like that's what the word actually comes yeah. from. Uh, it's sort of more modern, like loose understanding is like it's a reformed version oh. of the like original thing. Yeah. You know, like they do something that's a little yeah, different somehow. Right. Um, and <laughs> since there's not a discalced monastery of the Immaculate Conception in the area, uh-huh. like there is no one that can come teach them how to do okay. this. Uh, so they have to get some nuns from a not discalced monastery. Okay. Like, the, yeah the traditional right, yeah. one which kind of makes um, sense to like come over and set stuff yeah. up um if the mom catalina says later that this was a dumb thing to do because oh. the nuns that they brought in to help set things up didn't know what they were doing because they had never lived in a discalced manner before right. and she was like it just slowed everything down <laughs> you would think they would at least fun. help with like the basic stuff and then you'd be like okay this is you what we're gonna change apparently they didn't help very much all right well okay <laughs> uh so yeah so catalina uh gets herself in here as a nun right. both of the two surviving daughters so mary and mary's sister mm-hmm. um are both like you know hanging around in the monastery yeah. uh they're too young to do like really yeah really formal stuff um but mary eventually uh becomes a formal novice okay she takes the name mary of jesus of agreda agreda is just the name yeah um her sister and her mom take their orders yeah uh mary feels at this point that she has wasted a ton of time because um like her parents spent those years arguing (laughs) and she's like we wasted so much time and i'm supposed to be doing things (laughs) and she's like working really hard to make up for these years that she lost when she was a teenager Mm -hmm. Um, and then she takes her final religious orders in 1620 at the age of 18. Okay. So she Powers is through. in it now. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> at least through. it's more of like a normal age, you know, <laughs> at this point. Yes. She's not like 13 when she takes orders. Yes. So, uh, Mary is in this monastery. She, uh, <laughs> so she's leading like a contemplative life. Yeah. 
uh, lots of, which is like kind of part of the jam. Right. like quiet internal prayer, yeah. lots of thinking, lots of internal philosophizing, right. stuff, whatever. Uh, she keeps having these uh, bouts of religious ecstasy uh, and our classic favorite with no further information, occasional reports of levitation. I just... <sighs> <laughs> No further information. <laughs> it makes you wonder, um, like, have, are people just adding that later, you know? Like, you would think there would be more... You would think that that would... You would think that that would really freak people yeah. out, like, in the moment. Like... Because, like, people saying they have visions, like, you could be like, yeah, whatever. Like, you're just a mad... Especially as, like, a kid. Yeah, or, like, having an epileptic epileptic fit, you could be like, yeah, people have those yeah. sometimes. It's like, I mean, that's been happening for, like, for a fine. long time. Like, people have epilepsy, so, like... <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah, you're yeah. just seeing things when you're having a seizure. It's like, whatever. But levitating? I mean, I guess... I know. You would think... You would think I guess if, like, only, like, one person sees it, or if she says she levitates, people would be like, nah, you're lying. Like, you didn't see that. But... Apparently know. comes up pretty regularly. Okay. Well. Um, so, uh, so the Spanish Inquisition oh. is happening, kind of. Like it's it's not as it's not like in its super heyday, but it's still nobody exists. expects the Spanish Inquisition. Um, is that what it is? Exactly. Yeah. That's the first. yes. Yeah. It's from Monty Python. Yeah. Um, so the Inquisition. I was like when I was googling this because they kept like casually mentioning the Inquisition, and I'm like, I feel like I don't know enough about the Inquisition to understand why they can be casually mentioned and not a big deal. Right. <laughs> well, I so suppose I if you're already up. Catholic and not doing anything wrong, the Inquisition's not a problem, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> so an Inquisition is like kind of a more general term, yeah. And it's just an ecclesiastical court, yeah. And they're supposed to investigate Stuff. like heretics right. and. Like, people breaking canon law yeah. and, you know, witches and things like that. Like, it's kind of not that big of a deal, right. generally. A normal it Inquisition. It shouldn't be that big of yeah. a deal. <laughs> yes. But so as like, we know, the Spanish Inquisition is very famous. Yes. <laughs> lots of countries had Inquisitions, yeah. especially they, like, they got really popular in the Middle Ages. Like, everyone had one. Right. And it's, like, not that big of a deal in most places. But, Spanish. Um, but Spain's <laughs> got so famous because, uh, like I said, they have, like, all these Jews and Muslims, right. like, floating around. And all these people converting back and forth and, like, yeah. intermarrying and stuff. Uh, so they get, like, really kind of uppity about, are you actually doing right. what you're supposed to be doing? Or are you just claiming to be Christian because that's, like, a yeah. good thing to be? Which and, like, are you perverting the faith? Kind of makes sense at the time because if they've just regained control, they're, like, trying to, like, fix everything right now, you know? Yeah. Wasn't somebody... Uh, yes. Some famous artist or maybe scientist guy was investigated by the Inquisition? Um, Galileo. Gal- that's what I was wondering if it was Galileo. But he was in Italy, so it would be an Italian. Oh, maybe it was the Italian. Because I feel like some of the Italian. artists like, But he did too. get arrested by the... Yeah. yeah. No, Galileo definitely did. Because he was in jail, I think, for a while. Yeah. Um, well, anyway. But yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's why the Spanish one gets so famous, because they like... Have really aggressive. Like, they get really... They have this weird social religious right. thing happening in their territory that makes it, like, real aggressive. Yeah. Um, the Spanish Inquisition is also the only one that is funded by... The crown. The crown, yeah. rather than, like, you know, Rome. the church. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of... It gets, like, kind of extra power because it's not just a religious court. It's like but a... it's also, like, the civil court. Mm-hmm. And it has, like, both sides of the power. Yeah. So it gets really anal. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the <laughs> Inquisition, I guess... Um, thought that this like quiet internal prayer vibe mm-hmm. that these nuns have going, like they think it's kind of sketch. And I probably only because it's women. It's because 
it is basically just because it's mostly yeah. women who do this and they don't like yeah. it. Um, Too much thinking so keeping, <laughs> Yeah. So the Inquisition is like keeping a close right. eye on these mon- this monastery and others like yeah. it. Uh, but so yeah, that's what Mary's doing. Uh, I'm going to tell you some things out of order in her life okay. because I want to save the funnest thing for Delightful. last. Sounds great. Um, but she, uh, so she writes in her lifetime, she's like a prolific writer. Oh, she, wow. cause she's okay. having all these visions yeah. and then she, she writes, writes them all down and she's like shitloads of oh. stuff. Uh, so she writes 14 books in her lifetime. Okay. Wow. Jesus. Uh, the most famous of which is called The Mystical City of God. Oh which is almost 4,000 pages long. Good lord! Uh, but if anyone is interested, you can get abridged copies. Oh, good. <laughs> in many languages. Glad. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yes. Can we get them uh, on Amazon? So this book... Yeah, you oh, can. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so this book, um, I think it's still, I think it's still like a 1,000 pages yeah. long, the abridged one. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Because if you think, I was thinking about it, um, the fifth Harry Potter book, Order of the Phoenix, right. is the longest Harry yeah. Potter book. And it's like a decently yeah. big book, and it's about a 1,000 pages. Oh, wow. And so this book she wrote is four, four times longer times than long that. Than that. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Uh, and it's only one of 14 books she wrote. Okay. Uh, so yeah, this book, Mystical City of God, uh, is mostly about the visions she receives specifically from the Virgin Mary. Mary okay. kind of talks to her. Yeah. Uh, so there's just like a variety of things that Mary tells right. her. Uh, she talks about the relationship between uh, the Virgin Mary and the Holy Triad. Okay. Like Holy Trinity and like how is she oh. related and like how it like in the hierarchy where is the virgin mary yeah that's cool uh so mary explains that to her which i think is a very fun thing for the virgin mary to explain to you to be like no listen <laughs> in the hierarchy of everything of the universe well, what does she say uh she i mean she doesn't i mean she's basically just like i'm one down from the whole oh, okay. tribe which I gotcha. like, yes of okay, course I but like you. i do like the fact i do like yeah. the thought of the virgin mary being like let's be very clear <laughs> hang on <laughs> i am not with the other saints <laughs> Yes, I am above everyone else. Let's be very clear. <laughs> yes, which I think is fun. Um, uh, the Virgin Mary tells her about like various uh, miracles and things that Jesus did when he was alive okay. uh, that like aren't recorded in you know, other stories yeah. and stuff. Um, uh, the Virgin Mary gives advice on how like living people can be holy and sanctify their lives and like be good people. Uh-huh classic mary stuff uh um i guess there's a story about the virgin mary bilocating to spain like in her lifetime what i know which they don't really give you any further information about which means that have to go read that book and find out more that sounds like a thing that the spanish are like yes (laughs) yeah i know i was like i'm like it's very suspicious that she specifically bilocated to to spain from this yeah. Spanish writer. Yeah. I'm like, if you said that she bilocated to Iceland, I'd be like, oh, oh yeah, weird. Okay, sure. <laughs> but no, Spain. Huh. Like, yeah. That's, anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, today this book uh, is studied in like non-religious like university classes oh, wow. as a, like a really great example of early Spanish Baroque literature. Oh. Like has its own literature yeah. merits. Cause I guess, cause like she was an educated Young like, woman, yeah. noble lady. Yeah. Yeah, and so she, I guess she has, like, a really elegant oh. writing style, and, and it's really long. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, uh, I was like, I wonder why it's, like, still so popular, but yeah, that makes sense. It's from, like, a more historical yep. perspective, yeah. Mm-hmm. Literature stuff, yeah. Uh, that book, weirdly, gets banned by the Catholic Church for a bit, like, a couple decades, oh. not too long after she is alive. Huh. Um, well. And it's, 
kind of unclear why they did that because they basically repealed it like they rolled it back so fast uh it seems like it might be because somebody made a really bad french translation (laughs) which they thought was heretical and then someone was like no this is just a bad bad translation let's just pull the translation yeah okay uh yeah and they're like oh okay (laughs) it's fine that's funny (laughs) uh so yeah so she writes a bunch of books uh contemplative prayer lots of religious ecstasies fun times Mm -hmm. Um, in 1627, when Mary is 25, okay. uh, her mom dies, and her mom has been the, like, abbess of this monastery, because right. it's her house. Yeah. Right? They set all this up. She's a lay abbess, uh, though, yeah. Yes. Technically. Um, and so, the role of, like, abbess in this monastery uh-huh. is, it's, like, very democratic, kind of. Like, it's supposed to rotate every three years. Oh, wow. It's not, like, a lifetime yeah. position, like I think they usually yeah. are. It's, like, every three years, we're gonna get a new yeah. one, so you can't get, like power crazy or whatever uh but when her mom dies uh mary is elected as the new abbess and then she just stays the abbess for the rest of her life for like 40 years yeah (laughs) i guess the people kept being like no she should be the abbess and they just kept voting for her her. (laughs) yeah and i guess she didn't really want to be the abbess because it seems like she pretty regularly was like can i please not be the abbess anymore and they were like no and she's like gosh darn it (laughs) yeah all right um but people uh, make note that even as the abbess, she continues to undertake, like, menial chores. Okay, yeah. Uh, and to help out in the community, which wasn't really expected of her, because she's, abbess, like, high-ranking, yeah, you know? Yeah. But she keeps, like, you know, doing laundry and cleaning and cooking and doing all the stuff. Which is probably how it should be. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Also probably why she keeps getting reelected. Yep. <laughs> uh, she also prays the Stations of the Cross every night Ooh. and at some point has a heavy cross made. Oh. So that she can carry it or like carry it through the stations of the cross. Goodness gracious. It is intense. Yeah, it is intense. Yes. And she's only 25 when she becomes the abbess. Yeah. So it's not like she's, you know, 50 and is like, I'm right. going to do this now. She's like, no. All right. Youngish woman. Okay. Uh, okay. So, uh, oh, okay. Other thing that she does uh, after she becomes the abbess and like has some reasonable amounts of power, uh, she becomes a spiritual advisor to King Philip IV of Spain. Um, okay. which she is for wow. more than 20 years. Okay. Um, and it seems like she's not just a religious advisor. She, like, gives advice on various political situations and things, a too. A female advisor. Um, I know. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I guess... To a king, too. It's a really well-documented relationship wow. because uh, various, like, national archives and stuff in Spain, they still have more than 600 of the original letters. Wow. Like, back and forth, which is, like... Yeah. Huh. Yes. I wonder Uh, how she got into that. Like, I wonder if they had met, you know? I think it's because... It's because she was already from, like, a kind of noble family. That's true. Yeah. So it's possible they already have ties to the courts. Yes. Uh, Or, yeah, to the court, the royal court. Um, And then this next thing I'm going to tell you makes her famous. And I think Uh, once she's famous and she's... Yeah. And she's the abbess. And she's... A uh, noblish family, like... Yeah. Yeah, all these things together make the king be like, hey, you. hey let's ask her for help. Yeah. Wow. Okay. okay, so here is the thing that is the most fun oh. and the reason that this woman is famous. Um, and honestly, it's baffling to me that she's a venerable and not a saint uh, because <laughs> this is wild. Uh, so, uh, this thing that I'm about to tell you happens uh, from the ages of 18, uh, basically, until she dies. Okay. Um, but it uh, happens a lot from the ages of 18 to 21. It's like the most okay. dense period of it in her lifetime. I'm ready. Uh, so from 
1620 to 1623, when she is 18 to 21, she is reported to have bilocated between Spain and Texas and New Mexico. What? Many, many times. Over 500 times. Why Texas and New Mexico? Well. (laughs) uh, Okay, wait. So can we... Can we do like a little description of bilocation again? What do we mean by bilocation? Bilocation means that her body is in Spain, okay. in her bed, or wherever, okay. but her mind is in the other, other place, place, in this case, pe- Texas and New and Mexico. And people are seeing her? And the people in Texas and New Mexico can talk and oh interact with her and okay, see her. Yeah. All right. Yes. All right. So that's what we yes. mean by bilo- bilo- Okay. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yes. That is what bilocating means. All right. Um, okay. So in this period, 1620s. Uh, Texas and New Mexico and like the American Southwest, uh, Northern Mexico kind of area. Uh, Spanish. Spanish colonies. There's like not that many Spaniards. There's not that many Europeans there. It's mostly like a couple of missionaries and a couple of like little um, forts, you know, kind of spread out. Uh, So it's not like really intensive. It's not like there are European farmers homesteading or anything like that. Because this is the early 1600s. It's just. And so this is like early. Early settlement yeah. of the Americas, yeah. It's just mostly yeah, missionaries. So they haven't even finished. Yeah, you know, they haven't even finished exploring this right. period, this area yeah. yet. So like they don't even really know totally what's around. Yeah. Um. So when she bilocates to this kind of general American Southwest area, she specifically ends up in settlements of the Jumano indigenous people. Okay. Uh, and they are like a Native American indigenous tribe. Uh, they live in lived in Western Texas, New Mexico, and Northern Mexico, uh-huh. uh, or what is now Northern Mexico. Uh, the first records of Europeans meeting the Jumano is in 1581, so about 40ish years before this. So there's really like um, the Spanish have been in the New World for a hundred and something yeah. years at this point, but it's still been slow. interacting with this right. specific group for about 40 because years. the Spanish they come in like more south in like central america and then they start spreading both directions they come upwards, they come upwards yeah. and so like like if you know anything about like the western u.s like even all like the reason we've got all like those those names of cities in california like los angeles mm-hmm. and like santa Ana and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff those were all like forts they were spanish forts yeah. um like up the thing it was a thing of forts and like monasteries and stuff like all in mm-hmm. that area so yeah, and these people live in the interior, right? They're not on the coast, right. so it takes longer yeah, to get. Obviously, to the them. first thing you do is follow the coast, and then you like squishy, and because yeah, yeah, and then you then yeah, you words. yeah. So these people have not been interacting with the Europeans for that right. long. Um, it seems like like modern historians. <laughs> there's this weird thing called the Jumano Enigma, where modern scholars are like not totally sure that these people existed. Oh, that's interesting. Um, in the sense that, like the like these people did exist, well, like they were yeah. alive, just whether or not they were a unique a tribe. tribe, yeah, okay. like whether or not they were a distinct thing. or just something else um, that or so, part of something else that like the Eng- or not the English, the, the Europeans didn't, under, didn't yeah. understand. So it okay. seems like because there's like a lot of explorers and missionaries and traders, both Spanish and eventually French, like floating around in this right. area, and they'll like meet some new in Native Americans, and Native Americans will be, and the the Europeans will say that this guy's a Jumano, and it's kind of unclear whether the Native Americans said that they were Jumano, or if the Europeans were like, I think there are Jumano in this area, and therefore, you are a Jumano. 
Or was it a thing like, hey, what are you? And they don't understand what you're talking about, so they're like saying something else, and they're like, that's you! And they're like, what? (laughs) Yeah. And so they get these records from like this kind of um, 1500s, 1600s period of Europeans making notes of, oh, I met a Jimano, or like I ran into a Jimano group here, and here, and here. And they end up like this huge area of places the Jumano appear. Supposedly, yeah. Like, yeah, it's like too big of an area for one for the groups at the time cultural yeah. group. Yeah, of like this kind of you know how big is a normal. It area sounds like or like a cohesive cultural yeah. group, and they're like, so this group, this area is too big. So clearly, someone is confused, right. and these can't all be Jumano. So maybe none of them are Jumano. Yeah, you know, it sounds and like Jumano one just of those things. I'm a person, or I'm an Indian, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, like it sounds like yeah. this is a group of the natives in this area. It's not yeah. really like an actual group name. It's just like yeah, yeah. there's some and they like over there, you know. <laughs> and the way the Europeans record them, they like sometimes they say, "Oh no, they were completely sedentary. Like they didn't. They lived in like a town, and so they, they can't have and been." Sometimes they're like, yeah. "Yeah," and sometimes they're like uh, semi sedentary, where they live half the year in one place and then they float Move. around the other half yeah. the year. And some of the times the Europeans were like, "No, they're entirely nomadic. They're always moving." And so, like the fact that even the cultural descriptions don't line up, they're not the same people. That they're like, "Are these people all the same?" <laughs> no, they're not. There's something uh, wrong here. Like, it's, we'll just decide that the records are bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, so they call this this problem okay. the Jumano yeah. Enigma now. But it seems like modern archaeologists are kind of leaning towards they did. Like there is a distinct group that you could call the Jumano, and that the reason they appear in such a large area is that they were sending, um, like it wasn't just the men who were following the buffalo, it was like kind of like more of the community would go with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then since the buffalo, you know, float around all in a huge area, these people end up in a huge area. Right. Um, yeah. So that's like kind of the modern theory, but it is like the fact that it has a name the Jumano Enigma tells you that they don't really know what's happening. Especially since, okay, so like, so they were theoretically like following bison, right? Just yeah. like, which is a little interesting because, I mean, that far south, that's not usually where we get like the bison cultures, you know? But, yeah, this was obviously a lot earlier. We used to have a lot more bison. Like, we used to have, in the Americas, like, if you're yeah, not ever, from yeah. the US, you might think of bison as just like the open plains kind of thing. But just like Europe, we had forest bison as well. Like, we had a subspecies of bison that... Yeah, but this is, like, desert. Yeah, I know. But that's just showing that, like, they used to be everywhere. And so there was probably also a, um, like, a desert morph, too, where um, they probably weren't there all the time just because it's probably too dry for an animal that big. Um, but they might have been there like during the rainy season, like in spring, you know, like you migrate down, mm-hmm. you come down a bit from the, from the plains in like more Northern, uh, us and into Canada, you stay there in like the summer, summer, cause it's nicer up there, but then you might come down in the winter when there's a little bit more water. Yeah. Which also might explain down. why some of the records say Moving. that they were like, they lived in a sedentary town because like in the winter. Like in one season they are just right. hanging out in one town, and then the other season and then they in move. The other season yeah. they all float right. around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's totally possible. Like kind of a fun fact, yeah. um, which is not super relevant, but uh, I learned about it not that long ago, so I'm uh-huh. excited to share it with you. Uh, so there was this thing called the Navarra's expedition, mm. uh, which was a Spanish expedition. They were looking for El Dorado, uh, kind of El Dorado, mm. not quite El Dorado, okay. but like 
that kind of vibe of like Gold. a town that has huge riches yeah. and like we're gonna sack right. it. Yeah, whatever. I don't think they called it that, but yeah, yeah. basically they're looking for Eldorado, and they started in Florida because that's they thought it was in that kind of okay. area. Uh, and they just things went terribly, terribly wrong for this expedition. Good. It was in fifteen thirty-five, yeah. so almost a hundred years before, before this. Mary. Yeah. Um, but things go terribly wrong for them, and they're. You know, their original party of 80 or however many conquistadors they had gets split up and uh-huh. killed off in yeah. various ways. Uh, and they end up horribly lost and only four people survive. Yeah, sounds um, about right. And they, before they get found by the Europeans, by like other Spaniards, years and years after they went missing, mm-hmm. um, one of the uh, survivors, this guy called Cabeza de Vaca, had become like a, like a, like a living god faith healer kind of guy among the indigenous people. Gross. Like they thought he was, yeah, yeah like that he was healing them. Um, and he, in his uh, like accounts after he gets found by the Europeans later, uh, writes all this stuff down. He says that he met the Jumano in sort of uh, West Texas area. Okay. And that he called them the people of the cows because they were like keeping cows. Uh, uh, just a fun example. People of the cows, <laughs> yeah. but they wouldn't have had yes. cows. Not the way we, not the way we have cows. No, now. but they wouldn't have had cows at all because cows were brought, right? Uh, yeah, they were, but they at this point it's possible that they could have wild. The cows could have gone. Yeah, and just like the horses did. But I think found their way mm, to Native America. I almost wonder if they're anyway. He met like bison, and the closest thing yeah, he maybe. could decide. Could call them were cows, which call was a cow. I mean, it's pretty yeah. close to be honest, but because <laughs> it sounds yeah. too early for the cows to have spread, fair yeah. or, or just like own. them have yeah. learned to keep cows, it sounds more likely that they would have been bison related. But yeah, okay, continue. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a fun okay. fact. Another fun fact about that expedition is that of the four people who survived, one of them was a slave from Morocco. Oh, it's just a fun fact. Well, good for him. Anyway, okay. so the, the point is that this is like a weird cultural group that she's appearing right. to. It's like historically weird. Yeah. Um, so she is appearing to these okay. people. Uh, she's chatting with them. She appears as a woman in blue, which is why her yeah. like epithet is the nun in blue or the blue lady yeah. or whatever. Uh, and she's appearing to these people in blue because the habit for their monastery is like a white dress with a blue cloaky robe yeah. thing. Because they're like so of the Immaculate Conception, so you know Mary. Yes, yeah. So they're looking like Mary a yeah. little bit. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so she is in Spain, right? Yes. And she is having these visions. Sometimes she's levitating during these bilocations. Cool. Um, Casual. And she's waking up and being like, "Oh yeah, I was in the American Southwest, uh, chatting with these Jumano people." Okay. And they think she says herself that. She had been, because obviously the New World would have been like a major news right, topic yeah. in Spain, right? Like it would have been the newspapers yeah. and there would always be, you know, stuff about the New World. So she would have known about the New right. World and about the people there. And she says that she had been like reading about the New World news and praying for the souls of the indigenous people. Yeah. It's like, I hope they're doing okay. Yeah. That this, you know, that they don't get absolutely right. fucked, which of course they yeah. do. But uh, she was praying for them and then like kind of slips into a trance and bilocates and finds herself in New Mexico. Yes. Which is fun okay. for her. Um, her bilocations are witnessed 
um, by you know other nuns and priests and things who are like she was like she's definitely still in her bed. She appeared to be asleep. She wasn't responsive yeah. to you know noise and pain and stuff. Yeah. Um, sometimes she levitates during her bilocations. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Casually. Uh, but then when she wakes up, she can remember, you know, she can describe the landscape of a place obviously she's never uh-huh. been. And almost nobody's ever right. been. Like, um, very few, very few Europeans yeah. have seen this. Yeah. She can describe it reasonably well. Um, she starts to embroider indigenous animals and flowers from the American Southwest on, like, you on know, things the and tablecloths. That's and her, cool. Her, I know. Her <laughs> rich lady embroidery wow. starts to get american southwesty that's pretty dope <laughs> do we still um, have any of that stuff do we i don't know maybe, they, maybe, maybe. The, Mon- the abbey does i don't know that would be cool to yeah, see maybe. if they still Somebody. have it like see what actually she's yeah. making and if it is actually like yeah see if it actually is that or if people just don't know what the right. stuff from the new world looks like because how could right. they i wonder like um. also you would think okay maybe there's some stuff coming back from the new world about like naturalist kind of stuff but i wonder mm-hmm. like i kind of doubt that she had any access to any of those illustrations yeah not any significant yeah, or that wouldn't be it. like yeah. illustrated like maybe bison because everybody's like what's a bison and everybody's freaking out about it yeah. because bison have been gone in europe for a lot of time at this point so yeah. everybody's jazzed about bison so maybe she would you know, have seen like a depiction of a bison but if it's like specific flowers and stuff like i don't know yeah i think that there's like like the people like which people in which europeans in the new world are most likely to be drawing you know doing botanical drawings and stuff conquistadors probably not right that is not what the conquistadors are doing the monkey kind of guys but also which people are most likely to come back from the new world not the monks yeah, the conquistadors come back, but the conquistadors didn't draw yeah. anything. The people who drew it stay yeah. there. And <laughs> they don't bring that stuff if home. If the conquistadors like do bring like some reports or like books back to be like, hey, this is what the monks are doing, like the king would keep it. Like it's in the king's library. You yeah. know, it's not yeah. it's not being distributed. His advisors are using it for something. Yeah. yeah. And at this this is like yeah. too okay. early really for like the more like lay explorers to be like, I went and did this and now I came back and look what I did. Yeah, no, so it's, it's, it's just too like early that, for yeah. that. So. Yeah. That's just conquistadors cool. and monks. Yeah. Yes. So that's like given as the evidence from like her yeah, side, right? right? Of like all these people are like she is not making this. She's up. doing something. something. Really did yeah. happen to her. Something is happening. Huh. Uh, it's okay. So then uh, they're trying to like confirm it from the other side, right? Right. Like, did the Jumano have a thing, a record? Like, did they see yeah. her? Yes. Okay. So the Jumano, like I said, it's only been about forty years since they first. Con- were contacted by right. Europeans, right? So it's not been yeah. that long. Um, and there's not that many Europeans in this area anyway. So they're kind of just On like, it's not like the Europeans arrived and immediately was like converting right. people. They were kind of like, they saw a European once and then he went away and they just like okay. <laughs> did their own thing. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so it's been 40-ish years and the Jumano know that there are missionaries about like kind of in the wider area, yeah. right? Like they know that there's a fort 100 miles right. away with missionaries or whatever. And they start coming to these forts and requesting baptisms. Which is weird. And it is weird. Not and the norm the, in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the monks and missionary guys are like, why all of a sudden like how do you even know that we're here yeah. like how do you even know that we're religious or know like how do you know anything about is. who we are yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the jumano were like oh because the woman in blue said so okay yeah <laughs> so that's like their evidence okay. from the and i'm assuming the, the monasteries have like all those written record and stuff yes apparently 
it's so well documented that it's not just like some monk wrote it down in yeah. his personal diary. It was listed in the official reports that were sent back to the king. Wow. Like, you know, every yeah. six months or whatever, they have to write a real report yeah. about their progress. And they this is stuff is in those letters. Do we like, have oh, like yeah, numbers turned up. of like how many people were like showing up? It doesn't say how many people, yeah. but it says that there are more than 500 records from the indigenous people. Like four, 500 separate yeah. incidences of her appearing and chatting. Good gracious. Yes. That's wild. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so from there, the Jumanos, what they said um, is that uh, she would appear to them in this area, what is now the Salinas National Monument. Uh-huh. Uh, which is about 65 miles south of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque! Um, <laughs> so the Salinas Pueblo Missions National Monument uh-huh. is a like a collection of three Spanish-built missions, yeah. um, which were built between uh, 1622 and 1635. So like your classic Pueblo-y yeah. fort. Old historic stuff. City, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's what's in this national monument. Uh, and the Jumano said that she would appear to them. Sometimes they say that she like walked out of the desert like, yeah walked like into walked the, into the town yeah yeah sometimes they say that they that she like flew in like they saw her flying that's terrifying It'll, yeah. <laughs> um, they say that she spoke the jumano language yeah. like it's not like she was speaking spanish yeah. um and that she would chat to them about christianity and encourage them to go find the right. franciscan missionaries to get baptized okay. and presumably like explaining uh, baptism and stuff yes at least some explaining things. the religion yeah. and why they would want to be right. christian okay. Uh, so yeah, so that is given as the evidence from like the other side, yeah. right? So both sides of the story are like, yes, this happened, yeah. <laughs> which is wild. Um, so yeah, that like, there's like no real, like great wrap up to that. It's yeah. just like, it keeps like, it happens mostly when she's kind of a young woman and then it slows down a little bit, but it kind of just keeps happening throughout her life. Okay. Like, this just happens occasionally and she goes to so chat here, with the Jumano. Here's my thought. So there are... Yes a ton not maybe not a ton but i have come across in various things like for this podcast and not for this podcast a lot of these stories of like mary appearing to southwestern u.s and like uh central america south america indigenous peoples and that's why mm-hmm. a lot of those peoples were like there are a lot of groups that were more willing to convert supposedly i mean to some extent, you're taking it at the colonizer's word, but also, like, in some cases, a lot of these native groups still have these stories of a woman in mm-hmm. blue, like, explaining Christianity. Um, yeah, and you get, like, the like the Lady of Guadalupe yeah, and stuff so, like that. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of very Mary-centric Yeah, there's a, a lot of it, of yeah. And, yeah, so, like, the Shroud of Our Lady, like, Our Lady of Guadalupe is the Mary appeared to a indigenous man and, like, he thought he was crazy and then she was like no i'll like put flowers here and it was the middle of winter and she like covered a hill in flowers and he collected them in his in his like coat and brought them back to town and showed a showed a monk because it was also very early on showed a monk and when he drops the flowers it's like the image of mary on his cloak and there's a ton of these so it's almost like so i wonder a couple of things one i wonder why that's happening like if people are if all these different groups are seeing something like this from like a more like psychological, like non-religious standpoint, you're like, why, why is that happening from a 
brain standpoint, it, interestingly, you know? I can think of two, like, I can think of three obvious sort of easy answers. Okay. One is that if the Spanish are the ones colonizing and the Spanish are having, like, a vogue for the Virgin Mary. Right. You know, yeah. maybe they're t- just taking note of Virgin Mary things more. And it's not that it's happening more. They're just like, writing it down more. Yeah. Not blowing things out of proportion, but like making a big deal out of things that maybe it they just becomes calling. like record bias because that's what you wrote down, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, or it could be it could be something about the indigenous like religions and cultures that are like pro female. Yeah. In a way that makes like, you know, maybe their fairies are female. Yeah. Which means if you meet a strange person in the woods, it's always a woman. Yeah. Like their right. folk tales. And yeah, their their native religions and beliefs and stories and stuff are yeah, have like maybe they towards... have like a, a female figure like this already, and so it's more yeah. meshable, you know. Yeah. I also wonder, yeah. like, the other thing would be that, like, yeah, if the Spanish are like really into Mary right now, are they carrying around a lot of depictions? of a woman in blue yeah, and then it's like you don't even really know what she is but you see it from a distance and are like mm. like to pick or you just like meet a guy and he's like hey look at this and gives you like a thing or something you know and it's mary and because like especially like i mean even from bible stuff like depicting mary in blue is like well blue is a difficult color to have you know so royalty yeah, like is blue. Just casually have yeah. Blue so especially yeah. if you're like an indigenous person in the Southwest, you're like, holy cow, look how blue this is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And especially with like, it's the, bl- the color blue's like relationship with water and like the Southwest being a very dry area. Like mm-hmm. you could see the connection of like, this is like life, a life giving person. Cause she's covered in blue, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Especially like mother figure, like mother earth kind of thing. She's covered in blue. Yeah. She gives life. She's talking about like giving birth to this important person. They could be perceiving that that mm-hmm. quote unquote person or being as the earth rather than like yeah. Jesus, you know. So they're like, "Oh, this is mm-hmm. the mother of the earth. We need to do what yeah. she says because she's covered in blue." <laughs> like, yeah, I bet there's been some. I bet somebody somewhere has done like a doctoral thesis on yeah Mary apparitions in this right. period in the because there's so many kind of area. And yeah, the question is why? Like, it makes you wonder yeah, if... Why Mary? Why in this yeah, area? Yeah, <laughs> It makes you wonder if it is really connected to the their native beliefs. And they've been having these visions of a woman, at least, like, for their yeah, entire cultural existence. But now yeah. there's, like... And they've just recently started saying that it's Mary. Yeah, now there's actually, like, a connection to name. European beliefs. And they're just like, oh, we think it's her... Or they don't even say like the, who she is. They're just like, we always see a woman in blue. We have for hundreds and thousands yeah, and of years. The missionaries are like, oh, it's Mary. Mary. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah. uh, it's like that. Yeah. Uh, it's like those Native Americans or Native Indigenous peoples we talked about uh, ages ago in the Orinoco Delta who have the stigma. Yeah, yeah. And it's like this is just a thing that happens to holy people, Crazy. and the Europeans have a yeah. name for and it. And they're like, okay, you got a name for it. Cool. It's the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's very interesting from like a non-religious like like I am always very interested in I strongly believe that when people see things whether it's like like religious stuff or like cryptid stuff or ghosts or UFO stuff is that a lot of times the people who are sincere and not just like trying to get attention like they saw something 
that yeah, they and they're just don't, trying to make sense they of don't it. understand what they saw. And yeah, it could be a completely mundane explanation, but the way they saw it was really confusing because our brains are sometimes really bad at interpreting what we're saying. Um, like mirages and stuff. We know what mirages are, but like lots of other instances where you could be really confused by what you're saying. So they saw something. And in some cases it's interesting, like why that's happening. Like one of the examples that's a lot more documented that I think is interesting is uh, like sleep paralysis demons where like mm-hmm. a lot so of people have people. sleep paralysis, but like everybody sees the same thing, which is fascinating from a mm-hmm. psychological, like neurological brain perspective. And then the same thing could pan to this kind of stuff where it's like why I think they are seeing something but the question is why is it so widespread why is it so like across humanity just like so you know but also like kind of weirdly located right right? it's not everyone everywhere for all the time it's these people for this 200 like something is triggering it and you're like I wonder what like what what are the conditions that are making everybody see this because yeah it's not like Oh, one guy at one time saw something, and you're like, okay, you're yeah, right. It's also not everybody. It's not everywhere. everybody, everybody, but it's a lot of people in one area, in one specific time, over, in one specific. Yeah, place. over, and it's not even just like, oh, <laughs> this whole tribe saw one thing once. It's this whole area of people yeah. seeing it again and again and again over like hundreds of years, separately, yeah. alone, yeah, for a long time, <laughs> yeah. seeing the same thing. So it's very interesting, but. The other thing I was thinking about with, with this was I was thinking about like all these other visions of people I've seen with a lady in blue is that you wonder like, okay, Mary as in the person we're talking about, not Mary, Mary, not the Virgin Mary. Um, she's supposedly appearing in blue. So you're like, okay, well how many of these visions that we have from the Americas are the Virgin Mary versus this Mary versus just, another woman who happened to be right or are all of them the virgin mary and this mary did not bilocate but then because that would that would be my first that was my first thought was that like okay people aren't seeing her they're seeing the virgin mary and she's just Mm -hmm. getting information from the virgin mary or something like that or she's not going at all and she's just heard about these visions of mary and she's like oh it's me it's like no it's the virgin mary but she does have all this stuff about embroidering southwestern motifs and things being able to describe so yeah it's very interesting but it's like very gray because like she's not appearing as like a unique image she's still just a lady in blue which is what supposedly the virgin mary is doing too so but also like it is that is what she's wearing right right but you think it was she really is wearing a blue cloak because that's her habit from her her monastery it's just interesting that it's both you know like if the virgin mary is appearing why would they need her to appear you know is the virgin mary busy but also like like, maybe the virgin mary yeah she's busy she's got other stuff to do do. (laughs) so she's like hey you kind of look like me you can go (laughs) i mean she has told uh our mary maria virgin mary has told maria a shitload of stuff right and has clearly been like chatting with her kind of like setting her up as a deputy yeah a little bit like you're gonna go talk to which maybe yeah i have some stuff to do in peru yeah like i guess it's like yeah an efficiency thing i don't know (laughs) but maybe like you could also look at it as like she is the virgin mary and she is this venerable maria you know of like you are that person in the same way that like 
all of humanity is like you know part of god yeah and like you are the virgin mary you are embodying the virgin you mary are. you are both of those yeah. people at once in this situation. in this situation yeah yeah i wonder if it's like or it's a, another thing of like okay the virgin mary is appearing and like venerable mary is like hitchhiking on the experience you know mm-hmm. where venerable mary isn't necessarily like actually controlling like what she's saying but she's just like yeah. there also you know she's observing so here's the other thing <laughs> uh have you heard about remote viewing at all yes okay. so for those who don't know what remote viewing is it's a thing that people do now that supposedly supposedly that the U.S. government also had, supposedly, a group that was trying to figure out if remote viewing was feasible for, like, war defenses and stuff and, like, spying. Yeah. But basically, remote viewing is where you kind of go into, like, a translite state and you're trying to, like, you're trying to see or perceive a target in your mind, basically, in, like, your imagination, you know? And mm-hmm. usually, like, you're not told, like, obviously what the target is because then you could just be like, this is the target. Um but you're you're usually just said okay we have a target we're trying to we're trying to get a specific thing um, we're not telling you what the specific thing is try and find the target and tell us about it and um, there's a lot of people who can, and the target can be anything it could be an object sometimes like when you're when people are training for this they like put a, like a picture of something in an envelope and they're like you're trying to see what mm-hmm. is on the photo in the envelope like what is it a photo of mm-hmm. um but then also some people have been like told to remote view like the other side of the moon and shit so <laughs> we're taking all this with a grain of salt okay but the people like in the in the instances where the it's like a controlled test of like okay you're trying to figure out what's in the envelope people are weirdly good at it to the point where i'm like something is going on here <laughs> and it i mean you have to you have to like believe the people who are testing all this and that they actually didn't know what was yeah. going on but if all of this is true like people are like being able to like see a place or like imagine being in a place they've never been they have no information about and they can describe their surroundings or they can describe what it smells like and things like that mm-hmm. and um they're supposedly like the people who are into remote viewing are like, oh yeah, there's great examples of people actually doing this, all that kind of stuff. And it feels like that kind of thing where like, yeah, you're in one place, but your consciousness and your imagining being in another place. Um, and in, in the instances of the, some of the remote viewing stories I've heard, people see them in that place, in that other place. Yeah. Like both in sides. both sides. Yeah. Like the person's just like sitting at a table at home or whatever like in a trance state but wherever they are imagining people see them there and this feels very much like yeah. that of like these are the kind of the historical instances like by location would be the historical instances of what people are trying to do today you know yeah. um whereas this is more happening accidentally rather than purposefully but yes it's very interesting yeah, it's, weird. it's wild. So yeah, this is yeah. this is like Anywho. really why she's famous is from this Bilo Katie stuff, um, and then also from the books she wrote. Yeah, uh, but this is also probably part of the reason that she ends up being an advisor to the king, right? Because yeah. he would have heard of this. Like everyone would have heard right. of this. Um, and then he'd been like, "Hey, you seem really down with the Native Americans," mm-hmm. uh, which is part of why she might be like kind of a, a political advisor as well about like policies of the new world right. and you know 
things like that. Uh, the Spanish Inquisition was not jazzed about her bilocating. Yeah, it seems sketch. Because they thought it they thought it verged too close to witchiness. Which is understandable. I'm mean, like, um, yeah. I, I mean, maybe not <laughs> even they, the bilocating, but the whole levitating stuff, you'd be like, absolutely not. Yeah, the not. levitating's real weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the levitating, like, kind of freaks me yeah, out. Yeah, it's not good. I think it's because it's, like, it's a very horror movie yeah, thing. Yeah, it is. Of, like, a nun mm-hmm. with her feet off the ground. Yeah. It's not, no, a, not a good time. Okay. Anyway, Spanish Inquisition, not jazzed about yeah. it. Um, but they don't ever, like, formally prosecute her, probably she because she's, power. like, a major advisor, yeah, to the king. She's, like, tight with the but king. But they keep an eye on her. They're, like, watch. Yeah, they're keeping an eye on her. And they also just don't like her monastery because they're quiet and they're women. They and think they too like much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she just kind of does this. She writes her books. Wow. She prays. She does her chores, carries her cross, sometimes goes and chats with the Jumano occasionally yeah <laughs> just like lives her rest of her life okay. uh nothing of like super note really. yeah uh she dies on may 24th 1665 okay. uh, when she's 63 years old Not bad. in agritas like in the yeah. monastery where she's lived most of her life um it was pentecost oh. that year okay. sure. just i don't know what that means it just is a fact um <laughs> there's no information about like what she died of but probably old, just old yeah she is 63 yeah. in the 1600s yep uh late 1600s uh there are some stories from other people who were living in the monastery at the time that like a disembodied heavenly voice was heard like in the hallways when like at the moment of death saying uh come 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 to me uh i don't know about that Mm. it doesn't appear in all the records so i think it might be sketch (laughs) (laughs) uh she is buried in the monastery uh you know casual normal uh, in 1909, they exhume her body. Oh, okay. I don't really know why. Yeah. Um, Maybe, like, renovation or something? I think it must be... I don't think it's because of a canonization thing. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, they, they do pull it, it up, in yeah. the process. I don't I don't think it's that. I think it's more likely they had to rebuild something and Move excavated yeah. the yard. Yeah. Um, but so in 1909, they pull out her body... Um, they do some, they get some doctors in to like look at her body okay. and they note that she is incorrupted. Uh, yeah. And then they bury her again and it's whatever. And that's 300 uh, years. And in 300 okay. years, yep. And then uh, in 1989, oh. so 80 years after the first exhumation, okay. they do it again. They exhume her again and have some more doctors come and look at her again. Don't know why. Okay. Don't know why they did that. Um, but the guys in 1989 also note that she is uncorrupted. What? Um, do we have the pictures in, uh kind of okay <laughs> not fun pictures oh. boring pictures uh so one of the doctors who was part of the 1989 investigation yeah. says uh what most quote what most surprised me about that case is that when we compared the state of the body as it was described in the medical report from 1909 with how it appeared in 1989 we realized it had absolutely not deteriorated at all in the last 80 years that's crazy yeah. So sometimes we get these stories of like they'll open it the first time mm. uncorrupted and then they leave it for a while and then they open it the second time and it's bad. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it's yeah, it's gotten worse, which kind of implies that like it had been sealed well enough properly yeah. the first time. And then when they opened it, they let in some bacteria yeah. or germs or didn't seal it properly. And then it got deteriorated. Right. But this time, like they opened it and then they closed it again. And either they did a really good Closing job it. when they closed yeah. it 
seems unlikely for 19 well even if you did do a good job closing it just opening it to the air would have been enough to yeah, introduce would have been enough stuff yeah because you would never be able to get that right. stuff out yeah, yeah. Uh, but so yeah, 1989, still incorrupted. Wow. Uh, and then today, I think after they exhumed it in 1989, they didn't bury it again. Oh. Um, and now the body is sealed in a glass casket and it's on display in the monastery is church. There are pictures. Yeah. Yes, there are pictures. So you can Google okay. it and see pictures. Um, and she just looks exactly like every other body of every other saint who's incorrupted. Okay. And she just looks like a plaster statue. Yeah. Right. Right. Nothing of note. <laughs> I'm looking at images. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, yeah. It's just looks, she looks like a statue or like a plaster cast or something. Wax figure. Yeah. I wish they were, although she looks better than some of the other ones, but yeah. She does look better, but also that makes it less impressive to me. I don't know. Maybe. Well, she's not obviously like a, like a 1600 statue. You know, obviously you're like, well, that's how they did art at the time. And that is not what humans look like. Yeah, but she also doesn't have the thing of... Uh, that other one? was it? Yeah, with the bone. The one where you could see the bones in the Underneath, hand. yeah. Yeah, I don't remember who that was now. But there's nothing like that either, which makes it kind of mm. like that. But maybe it's just because all these pictures are crap. Right. And if you actually could see it, like, in person up close, you would be like, oh, no, that actually does kind of look like a body. Yeah. Huh. But yeah. Okay. Uh, so she is... I wish they had photos uh, from the, like actual like medical examinations 1901 yeah. yeah i mean a doctor in 1989 i don't know it seems like an unlikely thing for him to say that this body is incorrupted if it's not you know yeah or like obviously it's he wouldn't think that it's religiously incorrupted but like yeah. you know in a state of good preservation if it wasn't her face does look better than most of them yes okay well anyway continue yes. go for it yeah anyway okay so <laughs> Uh, she dies in 1665. Uh, she is made venerable, which is one of the stages before a saint, yeah. you know? Yep. Uh, it's also before beatified, so she's yep. not even beatified. Yep. Uh, she's made venerable by Pope Clement X okay. uh, within about 10 years of her death. Well, there were no rules. Oh, no, there are oh. rules, because it's well, 1670 This is the something. first batch of rules. This is very early on in the rules. Yes. And also, she only gets into the first, like, the yeah. lowest level yeah. tier, you know? She doesn't get all the way yeah. to the top. Uh, so yeah, that's in the uh, like 1660s, 1670s, yeah. 70s that she's made venerable. Um, and then the beatification process starts in 1673, so probably the same yeah. time. And still is not complete. Which is why she's still venerable and not beatified. That's curious. So we talked about this. Um, she would need two miracles miracles and maybe they just but i feel like the the visions of talking to mary which seem very well documented surely that counts um the bilocation seems like it's been confirmed very thoroughly seems like that should count there's also um like post-death healings Mm. associated with her grave you would so think, it seems like she should be able to sail right on through you this. You'd think at least early on, like in the 1600s, to be like, yeah, she's bilocating. Let's push it through, you know? Yeah, it's not super clear why now, it stopped at Venerable yeah. at the beginning. I wonder if it was the like, Spanish Inquisition. She didn't even get beatified. Yeah, maybe. Or like, I don't know, some war started yeah, and they, they just forgot. got distracted. It is curious. Um, but so, yeah. She's got a lot more than other people who are saints, so. Yeah, she does. 
Uh, and like reasonably well documented because right. they've got all her books. They've got the letters to the king. They've got the reports from the missionaries in the new world. It's like a lot of stuff. Um, so okay. on her 400th birthday, which was in 2002, yeah. um, various organizations, um, particularly in Spain and the American Southwest, uh-huh. uh, sort of like pushed for a renewal of the beatification process right. like hey remember this person that you're supposed to be looking at 400 years yeah. ago let's let's get back yeah. to that um but they still haven't yeah like, nothing has changed true. you know she hasn't been pushed through hmm. um oh also she was levitating and her body is incorruptible right. both of which could also are considered counting yeah thing. although yes, at this um, point incorruptibility they probably wouldn't count it now but levitation yeah no probably not. levitation by location yeah. visions healings Seems yeah. like enough to me, compared to yeah. other saints that are uh, saints. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's not like there's no really any information on like does the church know? Like, are they hung up on a specific yeah. thing? Like, what is the what is like, what is the problem? Like, it could just be that they're busy and they haven't gotten to right. it. But like, she's a reasonably famous person. Yeah. Um, because there are actually in just like the last twentyish years, there have been several reasonably popular fiction books oh really like written like inspired oh, wow. by her um which is actually how i know about her because i think our mom read one of these oh. when i was in I don't know, elementary school or middle school read it to and us like mentioned it oh read it no oh, she, she, she read it herself and then she just like oh. mentioned it to me it's so, like i kind of had this like thing in the back of my head about somebody bilocating to the new world yeah. which is what i googled to find this person <laughs> sounds delightful um, so yes yeah, so there's um huh uh, there are two modern books. There's one called The Lady in Blue mm-hmm. by uh, Javier Sierra in 2005. And then Blue Water Woman by Ken Farmer in 2016. Blue Water. Um, and then there's also been like various bio- yeah. like, fiction, non-fiction biographies right. and yeah. you know, histories and stuff. Um, she is credited as being um, like a driving force behind Spain's right. missionary efforts yeah. and policies partially because so partially because like the native americans talked to her and like she had a direct effect on the native americans and therefore on the wider like success but also because a lot of the missionaries in spain had been reading her her books like the stuff she'd been writing and using it it without Mm -hmm. knowing about her by location like separately using this as like a basis for like good christian life and you know how to spread the message and stuff um so a lot of the missionaries were saying like oh no we were deriving our yeah policies and our ideas from from this woman's writing and so then she gets credited as like yeah and also she's a political advisor to the king who so obviously yeah um (laughs) since uh (laughs) this is like a fun fact which is uh, very hard to corroborate, but I think it's fun. Yeah. So the state flower of Texas okay. is a blue bonnet, yes. uh, which is uh, one of those flowers that has like uh, like a conical, yeah, you know, with like lots of little berry right. kind of flowers, yeah. you know, and it's blue. And some people think that the reason it gets selected is because of this, not obsession, but like a cultural heritage of a woman in blue. Blue, yeah. And then blue things get like collect, yeah. Or important. Yeah, get preferential treatment and so then huh. stay flower. Blue bonnet. Okay. Don't know if that's true, yeah. but some well, people say that that's you know. part of the <laughs> source. Huh. 
Um, so there are no relics of her because she's all in one place. Yeah. Like, you can go see her body, but there's not right. any. Her finger's not in uh-huh. Paris or anything right. like that. Um, and then since she's not a saint or a beati, she doesn't have a feast day. Right. She's, she's venerable. Uh, so yeah, there's no feast day. Uh, but there are lots of books. And like I said, you can right. get like modern good translations of um, the books she wrote. Yeah. I wonder if... If you are interested. It suggests to me, because we, we went over like the process of being sainted. I wonder if she's mm-hmm. just like stuck in that committee... And they can't decide. Because if she was just popped out and they just said flat no. Yeah, it's weird because it seems she seems like such a straightforward yeah. case. Because it's so well documented it's, from like real official stuff. It's interesting stuff. that they haven't made a decision, you know. Yeah. And that she's just stuck in partly, partly into the process. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be because... Like, she is popular and, like, reasonably famous, but she's also so old. Yeah. That there's just not as much pressure. Yeah. You know, every time, like, a, um, uh, your guy, the South American guy who got assassinated. Oscar, Oscar Romero. Romero, yeah. You know, like, every time, like, someone like him comes up, there's, like, huge national right. pressure yeah. to, like, do this first. Right. And they get, like, bumped to the front of the line. Yeah. Whereas she is like popular and fun, but like right, know. yeah, <laughs> she's so old. It doesn't matter. So maybe I wonder if there's nothing actually wrong, and it's just she's not the priority. Yeah. Also, four hundred years is a long time. I don't totally understand why they didn't do it in the sixteen hundreds. Yeah, because like that would be the time they would be like, absolutely, yes, this all counts. Check mark. You know. Yes. And the king is kind of in charge of the church, and he's right. her buddy. So they just push that through. Yeah, I don't understand. Huh. Which is weird. Oh, so yeah, weird. that is very Fun interesting. Venerable with more, more miracle stuff than a lot of the uh, saints. There's just so much lady in blue stuff in Central and South yes. America, and it blows my mind. There's yeah. just so much. There's a lot of it, and it's weird. It is a little bit, yeah. <sighs> okay. So yeah, my sources this week are a variety of Wikipedias on all of the things, um, and then also the Catholic Travel Guide and uh, Catholics.org and RomanCatholicSaints.com, your classics. I kind of want to buy that book. The one she wrote? Yeah. Is the one that, is that one that's abridged, is that one of the ones with the bi-locations in it? No. So her the the famous like the yeah. most famous book she wrote the mystical city of right. god is not about the bilocations it's about her chats with mary. mary okay which are separate although there is a story of mary by bilo- virgin mary bilocating to spain i think is in yeah. there um but no the that book is not about okay. the maybe I'll see. her our maria's bilocations maybe i'll look into it but like i said she wrote 14 books in total right. or something i'm sure so. one of them Maybe one of the other ones about, is about the bilocations. It'd be interesting. But also maybe you don't want hers. Maybe you want the Jumano ones. Well, I am also interested in like her descriptions of the Southwest and being like, how how yeah, vague are they? Cool. You know, like, could they just fit mm-hmm. because they're really vague or are they actually really like compelling, you know? Reasonably good. Yeah. Yeah. Because my whole thing is like. one of these fiction books. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun too. I think, because my whole thing is I feel like. It's more likely that they were just seeing Mary 
And it's a question of, okay, was this venerable nun, was this nun actually seeing this, you know? By locating, yeah. Or is it just a coincidence? Yeah. Was she reading reports of the new world and, like, people were missing her? I don't know. You know? Yeah, it's, I think it's, I think, well, I think it's possible that it could be a coincidence and that the Jumana were seeing the Virgin Mary and that Maria separately conflated it. I think it's unlikely that that many, that that, there could be such a coincidence, like, on that scale. Because it's not like today where she would have heard about information, you know? And it would have been. I mean, it could have been years between when she started saying that she bilocated and when any formal reports came back from Spain saying that the Jumano were looking for baptism. Or at the very least, months. Right, like, it's not like those two things happened on the same day. Could be months, weeks, months, years between Mm -hmm. them. So. All right. Huh. So, yeah. There's a delightful story. We finally got into bilocations. Killing it. I love bilocation. Because I remembered we talked about needing a bilocation yeah. i was like i feel like mom has told i feel me like about i feel like there's one in my brain somewhere yeah <laughs> yeah <Yep. laughs> and then i went and found it that's yep. delightful so yeah i like i learned a lot of fun things i like the bilocation stuff i like that th- i like the jumano enigma <laughs> yeah that's a good name <laughs> not sure if these people exist <laughs> which i think is fun i learned a lot of stuff about the spanish inquisition which i did not know i would also be interested in like because obviously there's lots of distinct indigenous groups in these areas and i wonder if it's like i'm pretty sure like i haven't heard anything about it being like oh only one indigenous group sees this in history you know so Mm -hmm. i'm wondering i would be interested to see like the distribution of these sightings across the groups that have like unique cultural identities you know yeah and how they responded each in each way you know because i mean they are different peoples like they're not all the same culture and stuff so you could mm. expect them to respond differently, and it'd be interesting to see like that map of like these are all like the known people's regions and where all these sightings happened and like what they did in response to all of them. That would be interesting. Yeah, see if like there's a particular group that has it happen. More yeah, or, something. or they respond. They're the ones who are going. Like only this group is really the only group that Making went notes. Yeah. to get baptized, you know, and responded in that way, and everybody else was just like, well, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd yeah. be interesting. Yeah, okay. it's an interesting story. Huh. It's fun stuff. Cool. I bet you can get that book on Amazon. Yeah. I'm Mystical City of gonna God. Gonna go look. Um, I would also, yeah, I am also interested in those those fictional books because it sounds like they might be written by people of native descent. And uh, I think the one of them, I think, is written by a Spaniard. Maybe. Okay. It might not be in English. I'm not totally okay. sure. In uh, the second one, sounded like Blue Water yeah. Woman. I don't know if the author is indigenous yeah. but i think it's, they said that the book won some award because it sounds like it might be the uh if it's like with the like indigenous versions of those stories you know that would be also be interesting to see here maybe fictionalized but you know from an indigenous perspective would be very interesting yes but yeah yeah it's, uh, huh. This is also, like, one of the first that has, like, had a lot of, like, a really strong, like, popular culture. Like, yeah, like, St. Clair is, like, popular, but people don't write, like, books. Fictionalized, fictionalized books, books yeah. Her, yeah. So this is one of the first ones that's, like, it really has a hold on, like, the cultural identity of a big group of people, you know? 
Yeah, I wonder if like, like there was that TV show in the sixties or seventies about the flying nun. Yeah, <laughs> I think she's in Italy or something. Like she's European. I think that's I just based if, off like, of all the stories of nuns levitating. Yeah, yeah but the, like there are lots of stories of nuns flying around and doing stuff, and this is one yeah. of them. This is like a reasonably famous yeah. one. So it is like yeah, related. seeping into popular yeah, is, culture. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, remember to, if you are enjoying this, to rate and review the podcast. Even if you just do stars, that would be helpful. Tell a friend. Tell a youth group. Tell your local priest. Yes. And uh, we will post some pictures yep. of uh, Maria of Agreda on our Instagram. As a reminder, the uh, username is Martyr and Monk. Yep. Uh, and we will just post some pictures of the things we talked about so you can see them. Uh, that will be up to day sometime. Uh, and we will be back in a couple of weeks with some more saints. Thanks. Bye.